Welcome to the SNS Podcast. This is your boy, Mike K. Smith, also known as AKs, also known as the coolest guy in sports. Episode number six of season two. In totality, this is episode number 43. Check how you doing today. I'm doing good, man. Any day where you find out Melo returns back to the league, man, it's a blessing. So I can't wait to talk about this and what we experienced last night. So let's get to it. It's definitely a blessing. I'm just happy that Carmelo Anthony is back in the league. I felt that he never should have been out of the league to begin with. It's nice to see him on a roster where he's going to get an opportunity to succeed, an opportunity to get minutes, an opportunity to play with the Portland Trailblazers who are struggling right now. But once again, it's good to see like one of our childhood heroes back in the league and back playing. And, you know, I'm just I'm very, very happy. I'm very excited. I don't expect him to come and be the mellow that everybody's used to seeing, like the mellow of, you know, like vintage mellow when he was averaging 20 to 25 points per game. But I think he can come in and, and average at least anywhere between 14 to 17 points per game, given the situation that he's in with the Portland Trailblazers and just watching the first couple of games that he's played with the Portland Trailblazers, he's looked like, you know, he's not really aged that he hasn't really aged too much. Like people was trying to say like, Oh, he can't score anymore. He can't put the ball in the basket. Even though he was, some of his shots was, wasn't falling. He still looks like the guy that can get a shot off at any time. It just looked like his shots weren't falling. That's a good sign. Anytime you can see that Melo can get his shot off and can still get a bunch of shots and get a bunch of buckets, even if he's not hitting them right now. Like it's gonna take a while for him to get into basketball game shape. Um, and like I said, I'm very, very excited for Carmelo Anthony. Yeah, I'm excited, but I'm excited. One thing I realized though is that this move should have happened three years ago, to be honest with you. Portland was true. the team with Portland, the Trailblazers were the team that was most interested in Carmelo after the tenure with the Knicks didn't go well. It's just he decided to go through with the tra- wave his no trade clause to go to Oklahoma City. It didn't work out there, and then follow uh, Chris Paul to go to Houston. And Portland was always that team that Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum always expressed their interest in pairing up with Melo because they always needed that perimeter wing scorer that could just take pressure off D- Damian CJ when the isolations and pick and rolls aren't going off when teams are double teaming them off isolation and pick and rolls. So this move should have happened a long time ago, and maybe it's third time's a charm. And like you said, uh, Melo still shows the ability to get his shot off anytime he wants to. The shots weren't falling, but you have to take into account the rust element. The man hasn't played in basically a whole season. So we have to give him his time to really get acclimated with the Portland system. And I think one thing that helps him in this case is that Portland is in a situation where they need him. Uh, In the last podcast, we talked about when we were going through our point guard comparisons, how Dame has to really carry a lot with the Trailblazers because... CJ didn't really get off to the best start. Zach Collins, Yusuf Nurkic, Rodney Hood are all players that are in rotation that are hurt right now. That are causing players like Mario Hazonia and Hassan Whiteside to play starter minutes. And they're decent players, but they shouldn't be playing those minutes. And they just don't have this scoring to help Dame or CJ really on an 82-game basis. So they need Melo to get shots up. And we know that he's not the best. He's never been the best perimeter defender. He's never been an elite defender, but... When you have a need for scoring, you can, you can, you can take into account the de- the defensive struggles when you know that you need his scoring. So that's one yeah. thing I think the situation is different compared to others. Where Houston acknowledged that they needed Melo, but the system fit wasn't there. And same thing with Oklahoma State; it was just too ball dominant for him to really get his touches in the post and in the mid range area where we know he can excel at. But Portland will allow him to do that. 
And even in OKC, he didn't really have a defined role. It was kind of like it was Paul George, Russell Westbrook, and even Steven Adams was ahead of Carmelo Anthony when we came when it came to like getting the ball and scoring opportunities. So he didn't have a role in OKC. And then even in the Houston Rockets, it was just kind of that wasn't a perfect fit for Carmelo Anthony because of the type of offense that they run with Mike D'Antoni and James Harden. But like you said, I I I think this is the perfect situation for Carmelo Anthony. It should have happened three years ago, but Carmelo didn't want to really go to Portland. Um, but also, Rodney Hood is inconsistent as well. You talk about some of the players that they had. I like Rodney Hood a lot. I think he's a great like starter, but he's inconsistent. Some games is going to get you 15 points. Some games is going to get you two to three points. So exactly. if Marlo, right. if Carmelo can come in and just be consistent and be that third scoring option for C.J. McCollum and Damian Leonard, I think the Portland Trailblazers are going to have, you know, a chance to possibly reach the playoffs. And even if, even even if this doesn't work out for, let's say, um, the Portland Trailblazers, like this is the only move that they do, and they don't acquire any other players via trade. This can be a season where Mar- Carmelo Anthony can kind of like have his Derrick Rose season where he can just showcase that he can still play. He's still talented, that he still belongs in the NBA. Of course, he belongs in the NBA, but should have never been out the NBA to begin with. And for the, the people that's going to throw that defensive narrative out there about Carmelo Anthony, the Portland Trailblazers are like second or third last in defense. So <laughs> they're not playing defense <laughs> anyway, so you might as well have Carmelo Anthony on your team, a player that can get buckets and and create and create scoring opportunities for you. And one thing we noticed with the Trailblazers, and one reason why they're struggling, aside from the injuries, is that they just had a, a hard time executing in crunch time situations. And Melo is that type of player where no matter if he's going two for sixteen or he's having he's hot all across the floor, he's going to be a guy that you can rely on no matter what his age is. Same thing with Dwayne Wade last year with the Miami Heat. He can come True. in no matter what situation and provide in crunch time situations. That's something they need right there because as great as Dame and CJ are, there's so much a guard that's under 6'4", under 200 pounds. There's so much that can, they can do over an 82-game stretch season, so you need a wing player to do that. And I don't, I'm not sure if Mel is going to be the complete fix for it. It's going to take a lot for a lot of players for them to get healthy and may even take another move for another wing, dynamic wing to occur. But for right now, I think it's just – it's a it's a a little tweak that could help them out for the for the short term situation that they're putting themselves into right now because there just aren't any other players available at this point right now. So it benefited Melo to where he was the best option available for them at this point for what they needed. I agree. And speaking of dynamic wing players, we got to see two last night and Paul George and Kawhi Leonard make their oh, debate for the Los Angeles Clippers against the Boston Celtics. And I must say I was impressed more by the defense, both of those teams played more so than the offense. Um, it was a gritty game. It was a a kind of like old school, early 2000s matchup where the defenses were, you know, causing trouble all night, low scoring. And it kind of reminded me of like the games I used to watch growing up. Now, you know, we watch a lot of games and it's 120, 130. Those are the average scores on almost every <laughs> NBA Game, so it was nice to see that that type of defensive matchup with the Clippers, with the Boston Celtics, and the basically what I noticed with the Boston, not the Boston, basically what I noticed with the Los Angeles Clippers is that as great as Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are, 
they don't they I think they need a, a another point guard. And don't get me wrong, Pat Pat Beverly is good, but they don't have anybody on their team that can really facilitate their offense. Like people were talking about Kawhi Leonard and how great he was and how he improved his passing. Yes, he improved his passing, but he is still not gonna be able to facilitate the offense and kind of run the offense and be that guard that can get players into spots and, and passes and stuff like that, similar to like LeBron James. And it's just kind of like I think that they kind of need to go out and maybe make a move to pick up a real like point guard. And Pat Beverly, as good as he is, he's just your ultimate like role player. Like he's gonna do everything on the court. He's like a superstar role player. He's like he's gonna be the Draymond Green for the Los Angeles Clippers, but he's still not necessarily a lead like point guard where you can facilitate your offense and run your offense through Pat Beverly and set up players like Kawhi Leonard, like Paul George. And both of them kind of struggled last night because as great as they are, they had to create their own shots the entire game. They have no body on their team that can set them up to get easy shots. And even Lou Williams, we know what he does, but he's yeah, he's, not setting, he's not setting anybody up to get shots. So I think that was the, that's what I noticed the most with the Los Angeles Clippers. Yeah, I, I agree and mainly and I think that's one of the downfalls. Like we as much as this league has evolved to positionless basketball in a sense, I think one downfall that comes from it is that you don't really have true positions in a sense. And one the major downfall is the point guard position where people get confused from from natural facilitators and playmakers. And what you saw on the Clippers right there are all playmakers. They can all go out and make a play for themselves and for others, but there are times where like, we even said this our first episode of the season where the Lakers didn't necessarily have a true point guard for when LeBron was on, was off the floor. And then Rondo comes back, and then you see how the offense in the second unit is gelling. That's one thing yeah. the Clippers really lack at that point because, as good like you said, as good as Pat Patrick Beverly, as good Lou Williams are. And, and Lou Williams, is a he's improved his passing throughout his career. Him and Montrez Harrell, that pick-and-roll is one of the deadliest pick-and-roll duels throughout the entire league, just the numbers they were able to generate together coming off the bench and with their time on the floor. But they don't really have a true point guard. And I can even say that their big, their rim protection, I think, is lacking at times, depending on if Zubak is ready. I, Ivaka Zubak is going to be ready for the playoffs because he didn't play much during the postseason last year at all. It was yeah. really more so he played the first 10 minutes and then Doc went with Montrez Hell to go with the five. So those are the two weaknesses I noticed from – that I had from the start of the season that I think could hurt them. And it's not going to be the, it's not going to be a glaring flaw be just because the league has kind of gone down from the big three to the dynamic duo. So yeah. not much is going to be on, an emphasis on having a true point guard, but there are going to be times where Paul George and Kawhi are going to be doing too much because there's no one else to facilitate for them. So maybe the trade, maybe the trade deadline, they try to get another guard that can facilitate, or even overseas, you got guys like Jeremy Lin, Lance Stevenson, or even Jamal Crawford that can pass the ball, facilitate for others, that can maybe help out on that end. Yeah, I just think they need a lead guard that can kind of, like, facilitate the offense. And even like you said about the rim protecting, that's the area they're going to struggle um, come playoff time as well. And as, great as, and as great as the Boston Celtics look, that's not – like the teams that they're going to have to be worried about. They're going to have to go through the Western Conference. Like the Boston Celtics are a great team, but they're going to have to face probably the Rockets and the Lakers. It's going to be some teams where that deficit is going to really show in the playoffs because even though LeBron James is 
a small four, but LeBron James is one of the best passers ever to play the NBA. So it's just like he can facilitate the offense, and he also can score and turn up and get buckets as well. And then even even if you look at the Houston Rockets, James Harden and Russell Westbrook are two of the best passers in the league, both playing on the same team. Mm-hmm. So I just I just think they need to figure something out. That was the biggest thing that I took away from the Clippers, as great as they are. Those two things, like you said, the rim protection and not having a guard that can facilitate their offense. Um, and as great as Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are, they don't really have that type of game to facilitate for others. Even though they have improved and worked on that, it just it just really showed out yesterday. And the Boston Celtics, I was impressed by the Boston Celtics. I didn't think the Boston Celtics were going to be as good as they are so far in this early NBA season. And I'm impressed by Jason Tatum. I think Jason Tatum's going to be an all-star this year. Jason Tatum showed last night when he, you know, tween, tween, <laughs> pulled it back and crossed uh, Paul George. He showed some <laughs> of his, his talent and his ability, what everybody's been waiting for. That was a big play. That was a big moment. And Kimma Walker, as well as another great all-star caliber player. And then they got Gordon Hayward coming back. So, And the East is really wide open. You don't really know who's going to come out the East because Philadelphia Sixers hasn't looked as great as everybody's been, you know, kind of projecting them to be, like the overall title favorites to come out of the East. But the Boston Celtics have a really great team. And, and essentially they just replace Kyrie with Kimma Walker and even though Kyrie's a better player than Kimma Walker, Kimma Walker kind of fits the Boston Celtics kind of offense because he's a little bit more unselfish, I would say, or maybe not unselfish is the word. He's a little bit more even kill than Kyrie Irving, and he just wants the opportunity to win. Kyrie was a guy that won at the highest level, so he felt like, you guys need me. Kimba Walker's like, well, I need you guys as well because I've never won at a high level or, or even been to the playoffs for multiple years in my career. So that's something that stood out to me worse than Boston Celtics. And Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart is an excellent defender, and every guy needs a a every team needs a superstar role player like Marcus Smart. And it just seems like all the championship teams have those superstar role players, like the Clippers have Patrick Bellamy, the Golden State Warriors have had Draymond Green. Boston Celtics have Marcus Smart. These are guys that are starters, but they're really like superstar role players in their roles. They're not superstars, but when it comes to role players, they are like the superstars, if you get what I'm saying. Oh, no, I understand. And I think this is kind of the roster that Brad Stevens can excel at the most. Not necessarily us. They still have the same, somewhat of the same talent group that they had from last year. But if you look at their team, they have a lot of inexperience on their bench that are really contributing well. They have Carson Edwards playing spot spot minutes. Grant Williams is playing in the rotation. You also have Brad Wanamaker, who's from fresh off the G League from last yep. season, and he's giving you solid minutes off as the backup point guard. That's and, true. And his Cantor's playing off the bench, and they don't really have a true rim protector. In fact, Marcus Smart is coming off pick and roll switches, has been their best big man defender. So they're a flawed team, but Brad Stevens really excels out of getting this roster to overachieve. And I, just the, the duo of Tatum and Brown together – coincide with Kemba with Gordon Hayward I think is something that teams need to be feared of I just it's just a it's gonna be a long season and I don't think Philly is taking that next leap yep so the two teams that in the east that stand out to me right now are the Celtics and Miami just from the fact that I know that they're gonna have playmakers they're gonna have shooting but they're also gonna have great coaching that's gonna allow them to overachieve even despite 
the roster deficiencies that they may have. So that's yeah. one thing I took notice of. And the Celtics, are there, even though they lost, like, you have to admit, though, like, from Kemba shooting 4 of 17, Jalen Brown didn't have the best night efficient, uh, the most efficient night. Tatum was really the only one that stood out in a sense from a scoring standpoint. So it was a horrible. Yeah, even Marcus Smart didn't have the best shooting night as well. But they no, competed. He they competed head to toe with arguably what many consider the best team in the league right now. So imagine if they're able to get healthy with Gordon Hayward and then maybe get that centerpiece that the Clippers need as well. Who knows? And that could probably even be the best team in the league right there. It could be the best team in the league because we've seen what Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have done in the playoffs before. And it just seems like Jason Tatum, even though he's been inconsistent a little bit this season, it just seems like he knows that he has to be the best player for them to to succeed. Because as great as Kimba Walker is, when he gets to that paint and when you play teams in the half court system or really great teams, defensive teams in general, like the Los Angeles Clippers, that length kind of bothers Kimba Walker. And it bothered Kyrie Irving last year to a similar degree. And if, like you always say, you have to go back to history where history always shows and tells us that a great wing player is the key to a championship team, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are going to have to be those two wing players that can lead the Boston Celtics to the promised land. And we've seen them kind of do it before a couple years ago. So, and Jason Tatum just take the next step. So you never know, man. And the, and the, the crazy thing about it is that they have three of those wings, in all honesty. That and I was worried yeah, about the pe- I was too. worried about the pecking order and how it would work out because I knew Gordon Hayward was going to come back ready just based on what he went through last season, having an off season to recover. Yeah. But hey, Jalen Brown's he's been pe- playing up to his contract. I tried to tell you last time. I tried to. Uh, tell no, 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 I guess, uh, I'm not going to say all that now. He's oh, been, come he's, on, he's man. Playing pretty, been playing, he's been playing pretty good. Uh, he's a Tatum two-way player. We're he, averaging the same numbers, by the way. If you look at the stats, same efficiency. Just Tatum is just one point more in the average. Yeah, I, I give you. Oh, it's still early. Um, ah. Jalen Brown's a a great defender. I think that's what helps the. Uh, the Boston Celtics a lot too. He's a great two-way player. Like he's going to be able to score and he also can defend. So I, 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 I'm, I'm eager to see what the Boston Celtics do this season. But like you said, it's still early. And you know, I love the Miami Heat because that is my team. Um, you know, diehard Dwayne Wade fan. But even the Miami Heat, um, we gotta, we gotta wait a little bit because I still think that the Toronto Raptors and the Philadelphia Sixers are probably going to come out. One of those two teams are probably going to come out the Eastern Conference as great as the Boston Celtics are looking and the Miami Heat are looking as well. And also, we can't forget about the Milwaukee Bucks. Giannis Antetokounmpo is a monster, and it's really going to come down to can Giannis overcome the half-court system in the playoffs? Because, like I said, it's no Kawhi Leonard. Like, who's going to defend Giannis Antetokounmpo with his size? And uh-huh. the, only team, the only team that I think that can do that is the Philadelphia Sixers because they have Joel Beat, Al Horford, and Ben Simmons, who are all the same size basically as Giannis Antetokounmpo. So that's the only team like I see stopping Milwaukee. Um, but the Toronto Raptors are good, and it's gonna really—it's probably gonna depend on matchups, like you said, like matchups in the Eastern Conference, like whatever how they line up and who which team has to face is which is probably gonna decide like who goes to the Eastern Conference Finals. I. I... I'm not so high on Philly, and the reason why is the previous teams that you named, the Celtics, the, the Miami Heat, 
the Toronto Raptors to an extent and the Boston Celtics, one thing that they all have in common is they have a closer on their teams. They have one or two multiple guys that can close That's games. True. And with Philadelphia, I'm just it's it's really a complex situation for them because last year we saw Jimmy Butler and we both agreed on this from head head to toe was the best player from a, a two way perspective on the Philadelphia 76ers. And you lose that guy who you could give the ball to and just make a play for you in the crunch time. And Tobias has really never been that in his career. Josh Richardson, one of the main reasons why Miami moved on from him was even though he was an emerging two-way player, he just wasn't that guy that you can just give the ball to and just say, hey, take yeah, us sure. Despite this, Despite his efficiency, he's an emerging two-way player. He just wasn't that guy. And Joel Embiid, as talented as he is, as he could be the best center in the league, is debatable. But just from a talent perspective, he's there. It's just that he doesn't really handle double teams well. And we've seen two straight playoffs series back-to-back years where he's gotten dominated by either Al Horford or Marcus All. Yeah, also, yeah, also in Joel Embiid, he really likes to play with his – he can't really – he needs to work on his back-to-the-basket game. He likes to play with his face, like kind of like a guard, like his face to the basket and then make a move to try to get to the post or get to the rim. And when you're a big man, you got to know how to play with your back-to-the-basket and, and pounding in and score over defenders – in the post. So that's something you, you definitely are right about the closer situation, but I just still feel like Philadelphia Sixers have too much talent at the, they have the most talented team in the Eastern conference. And I think they can probably overcome that to a certain degree until the NBA finals. But like you said, we're just got to wait and see. Yeah, definitely. And I, and I, I don't know if I can say most talented. They definitely have from the starting lineup. You could say, yeah, the starting most talented. Lineup, what I'm saying. yeah. but overall, I just, it's, it, we know teams are going to go seven man, eight deep into the rotation, and like teams with the, the amount of scouting reports that are put in, games are they're going to be close playoff games, and from there you're just going to have to rely on that one guy to do it. And I just don't see that in Philadelphia. And I said this, we said this earlier. We thought in terms of the player we were rooting for, Ben Simmons was my guy because I feel as though in order for Philadelphia to win, he has to be the guy to have those growing pains and take those shots because it's just a guard-driven game, a perimeter wing-driven game where somebody, a guard or a wing, has to take those shots, not a big. And nobody is able to do that for consistently, I see, on the Philadelphia 76ers. Maybe they make a trade or maybe someone evolves into that role, but I just don't see it on there. But I know when Milwaukee, Giannis is evolving to that. Chris Milton has done it for stretches. It's It's debatable for them, but... Miami really and Celtics have those guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you're not – Philadelphia Sixers have – most talented wasn't the right word. They have the best starting – one of the best starting fives in the NBA. Um, but they do not have a closer as well. The Boston Celtics is probably the most talented team in the Eastern Conference. Miami has a closer and has gritty guys in Miami. They're like – Miami Heat and Boston Celtics are very, very similar with the, the way they have a great coach, gritty guys that can play defense, and also they have – they have closers on their team as well. And the Milwaukee Bucks, they have a closer in Chris Milton, but it's Chris Milton is not really the necessarily the best closer for them. It yeah. needs to be Giannis Anacupo. Yeah, definitely. Those are a team to look out for. And we can't even forget if Victor Oladipo comes back this season, at least 80% of what he was. You can put a plug in that. <laughs> What'd you say? You can put a plug in that. That's not yeah. – Oladipo and the Indiana Pacers aren't doing nothing this year. Oh, I'm, I'm saying I think they're one year away from being one year away. But hey, that's I, I'm very high on Victor Oladipo, so we can see. It's just 
it's just another equation to put into it. But for uh, for the most part, I think the teams that we discuss are going to be the primary teams that are going to be competing in the Eastern Conference. 